the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Listen to my prayer, O God. Do not ignore my plea. Hear me and answer me. Evening, morning, and noon. I cry out in distress, and he hears my voice. Cast your cares on the Lord, and he will sustain you. He will never let the righteous fall. Glory Glory be be to to the the Father, and to the Son, and and to the Holy Spirit, Spirit, as as it was in the beginning, beginning, is now, now, and will will be be forever. forever. Amen. So today we have uh, uh, Vicar DeBoer back with us. It's been a it's long back. time. It's been a while. Since yeah. you've done a podcast because your assignment during the season of Lent was to do all the midweek services. Yeah, all the midweeks. Yeah. So I, yeah, I did the five midweek services and uh, did one Sunday at the end of Lent there. But, that's true. That's yeah. true. That was, it was St. Joseph. Was that St. Joseph Day or was that I, a, a different one? I think it was St. Joseph. Okay. Uh, everything kind of blends together at this point of the year. <laughs> Well, and for the two of us, I think, and Pastor, I would include in that too, we tend to think in a forward direction because we're, we're looking at what's coming up, not, what, not what's already gone Right, past. yeah. We were already in the, the Easter season mentally there. So. <laughs> very much, very much. Yeah. So, you know, speaking of the Easter season, um, you know, it is uh, noted that, uh, you know, though, you know, uh, you know, many people, this Easter celebration is, you know, in the rearview mirror and they're, Went on with life. The church gets to celebrate this for seven weeks. Uh, so we are uh, going on now to the second Sunday of Easter. It's, uh, you know, and we're still not, uh, uh, you know, by a long shot, we're still not anywhere removed from that Easter celebration. Uh, this is something that we get to continue on. And I'm always grateful for it, as, as Pastor and I talked about last week, that there's so many great Easter hymns that, that yeah. it's, it's great that you can celebrate it for seven Seven full weeks. Yeah. Um, uh, it's longer than Lent. <laughs> longer than Lent, longer than Advent, yeah. certainly. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, you know, with our, uh, the second Sunday of Easter, uh, I'm just kind of, kind of think uh, liturgically speaking here and like with the, all the readings. Um, so we have our gospel reading is from John 20, mm-hmm. and that will be uh, Doubting Thomas is kind of the main focus of that story. Every every year, every cycle, even all, all three, even though we're on the three-year cycle, every second Sunday is is that... Uh, it's John lesson. 20. Is, well, it's not John 20. It could be the other accounts. Oh, well, the other accounts, yeah, okay. But, but it's, okay. It's, it's always doubting Thomas. Okay, I think the one year does that as well. I'm going to think of it. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. logically. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but uh, that, that's uh, I guess besides the point, but... Um, uh, so yeah, Downing Thomas, which you know, that's uh, that that first day, uh, you know, after Jesus had risen, that first Easter Sunday. So again, we're still in that Easter season here. Right, and it's yeah. it's a good reminder that we get we get kind of messed up in time. We think, oh, well, a week has passed since Easter, and maybe this this uh, event with Downing Thomas was also a week yeah. later, or maybe several weeks later, but it's actually the next day. Well, yeah, actually, yeah, the, the, we're almost getting too much into the gospel at this point, but uh, the first part, they start in the, uh, Jesus comes, appears to the apostles, the, the day that he had risen, mm-hmm. Easter night. Later that day. Later that yeah. day. But then when Thomas was in the room, that was eight days later, actually. Oh, so, it was so yeah, it was later. a full week later, actually. So yeah, that's uh, that was kind of my uh, uh, just confusion here, thinking of it in my head. But 
But yeah, but it starts with that night, but then the, it goes to eight days later. So. But uh, the road to Emmaus, which this year is the third Sunday, um, how much after the actual resurrection did that happen? I don't know. I didn't look that far ahead. I think it wasn't that the same I want to say, I, I want to say yeah. it was the same I day. think it was uh, that first day, yeah. But anyway, so yeah, that's our gospel. And then, uh, uh, but now before, as I, I know you and Pastor have talked about, that now with these podcasts, we're switching from talking about the epistles now to now the Old Testament reading or the first reading. Uh, so this week we have our uh, first reading is actually from Acts chapter 5, uh, verses 29 through 42. And you know, when I was looking at this, I first wanted to kind of look at the context of it because I feel like um, you know the writer of Acts here kind of kind of left it hanging. I, I'm going to read the first verse just so uh, sure. we can get you know. So verse 29. But Peter and the apostles answered, "We must obey God rather than men." But so I, I looked at that and I thought, well, you know, Peter answered. Who did he answer? But I wanted to look at the context of this. So. Uh, I, I kind of backed up actually a couple chapters just to kind of take a look here. And I mean, really what we see unfolding here is uh, quite a drama going here. Uh, we have in verse or chapter 4, um, this, um, we have the second time the, that the apostles are arrested. Um, that Peter and John, you know, they're arrested you know, by the, the high priest and uh, the Sadducees for... Uh, they were, you know, teaching the people and proclaiming that, you know, uh, Jesus Christ, the resurrection of the dead. Then it is important to note here that, you know, this preaching they were doing, it did result in 5,000 being brought to faith. So the Holy Spirit worked through that, and, and uh, really the, the faith was really being expanded here, uh, which didn't make the, you know, the chief priests and Sadducees very happy with what was going on here. But yeah, they were arrested that first time around and left in custody overnight. Then they were released on the stipulation that they do not speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. In order to quit doing that, uh, the, you know, the chief priests and the Sadducees were kind of concerned as to you know, what was happening here. But then we uh, go on a little bit farther as the apostles continue. They defy that. They just continue doing what they were doing. Uh, they do many signs and wonders. So by you know, chapter 5, that's what we're seeing, that there's many signs and wonders you know, being done among the people you know, by the hands of the apostles. You know, the high priests and the Sadducees, though, again, they were you know, not very happy and uh, actually feel a jealousy, so they arrested all the apostles again. And then it was while the apostles were in jail this time around in custody that there's an angel of the Lord that appeared to them, that appeared and released them from the cell and told them to go out into the temple and continue teaching and so forth. So then we have, I think it was the next day then, the chief priests and those who were with them you know, had called to have the apostles brought in to the council that, that they had gotten together to... And I mean, have them face trial, not trial, but to have them, uh, you know, face that. And that, and that brings us to this, this chapter five. Yeah, and that we're then okay. this kind of brings us in this, this chapter five, which we are, uh, because you know they find that that cell is empty. 
that they're not there. But where are they? They're out in the temple. They're, they're, they're teaching like they, they had been doing. So they actually, without force, actually bring them into the council. Because at this point, they're kind of scared as to what they're dealing with. So it, then the high priest questions them. We strictly charge you not to teach in this name, yet you have filled Jerusalem with your teaching, and you intend to bring this man's blood upon us. Namely, Christ's blood upon us. So in a sense here, I think they were starting to feel their guilt as to kind of what they had done you know, that, during that Holy Week. Um, but then this is where then our text for today, 29 through 42, picks up with Peter answering that statement that we charge you not to do this, but you are, you're doing this. You know, so then this is where uh, Peter comes in. And this is, this is all very good background information. I hadn't gone that back to earlier chapters mm -hmm. to, to figure that out. So yeah, we're, you, you're absolutely right. It, just, it opens with saying Peter and the apostles answered, well, yeah, you have no clue. Well, what answering to what? Yeah, yeah you have yeah. no <laughs> clue what the context is. So yeah, this is, this is really good information. Yeah, so again, just a summary. They're arrested, they're released, do not you know, preach in this name anymore. They continue to do so. They're arrested again, and they, they're uh, uh, now uh, in front of the council here. So, uh, so with that, you know, Paul, would you be able to read for us, actually, verses 29 through 32, please? But Peter and the apostles answered, We must obey God rather than men. The God of our fathers raised Jesus, whom you killed by hanging him on a tree. God exalted him at his right hand as leader and savior to give repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins. And we are witnesses to these things, and so is the Holy Spirit, whom God has given to those who obey him. Thank you. So Peter, I mean, again, just uh, kind of re uh, restated here, he answers to that, a comment by the high priest, you know, we must obey God rather than men. You know, and who is that God? You know, it's the God of our fathers, you know, who raised Jesus, whom you killed by hanging him on a tree. Um, so, you know, really what Paul, or what Paul, what Peter opens up with here is what came to be a great principle within the Christian church. You know, just this idea that, you know, to obey God rather than men. You know, the, you know, this is an obligation that rests upon the church, that, uh, you know, there are times when, I mean, yes, we, we will be obeying God rather than men. So in the context of the apostles here, you know, those in authority, you know, that, you know, they still wanted, if they still wanted to charge the apostles with disobedience, you know, um, just looking at this context we had talked about, you know, they certainly could have did that, and that charge, you know, might, might have, you know, well stood. But the apostles, you know, likely would have cheerfully, you know, said that they were guilty of it and said, I mean, yes, this is, you know, something that we've uh, been doing. But it kind of brings to light that where matters, there are matters of the kingdom of God, you know, when those matters are, where those matters are concerned, you know, the preaching of the gospel, so forth, you know, no prohibiting, threatening, mocking, or abuse would be of any avail. You know, in these matters, the government has no jurisdiction. You know, so what, you know, wherever you know, there is a clear statement of scriptures, you know, there the Christians will hold fast to the truth and to the protection of the Lord. This is this is a, a great reminder too of uh, how the early church with 
was persecuted. Well, the church has always been persecuted, oh, yeah. but how they had to be careful in conducting their business because, yeah. because uh, they knew that the, the civil authorities were, were not um, uh, sympathetic to their cause. No, yeah, I mean, the, like just think of that first Easter night, I mean, the, the disciples were in hiding. Mm -hmm. uh, so yeah, even even to then, I mean, uh, I mean not that I guess we're, you know, we've been blessed, you know, in our context that you know we don't have to do things in hiding, uh, but you do go through no, history. No, but there are still there signs. Been, there's still signs in the culture that the culture. Oh, the culture want, is hostile. To yeah, the yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Uh, you know, so and when I was looking at this, I was uh, thinking back to uh, the my confirmation class when we were going through the Ten Commandments. And you know the fourth commandment, you know, you know, honor your father and mother. But then this doesn't only mean your father and mother, but it also means those in authority, that you know, those that God has placed in authority over you. Uh, in the explanation portion of the catechism, and this was in addition to the newest edition of the catechism back in 2017, I think it's in the new edition. Yeah. Is that the most recent? Yeah, one? this most recent one. Yeah, uh, you know, with what like we're talking about the culture. You know, being hostile to God's word and the church. You know, just think of our context now. With, I mean, many of the some of the cultural trends. You know, whether it be uh, on you know, towards marriage, or whether it be uh, you want to say on the matters of life and so forth. Um, you know, there are you know times when and the, and the catechism kind of touches on this because at that time a lot of the stuff was just starting to really. Uh, be thrown at us more, you know, than we were used to. But the Catechism says that, you know, that we must make a distinction between what a government permits people to do and what it compels people to do. Mm -hmm. So in terms of, you know, think of marriage, um, you know, should, you know, like right now, you know, um, I guess it is permitted that some churches will do, you know, uh, same-sex marriages and so forth. Uh, you know, you know, this is something that, you know, like I said, some churches will do, and the government permits that to be done. But if there should ever come a time where we are compelled to do it and forced to, then that's when we must obey God rather than men. We remain faithful to God's word and to what He, you know, what He has said. Well, and using that example, I think there's some corners of the church where the thought is. That if it ever did come to that, that we would draw a clear distinction between what a a a, a civic marriage is, what the what the what the state acknowledges as a marriage, as opposed to a a um, a marriage conducted by the church. Right. In other words, they could not force the church to conduct a civic marriage, but yet we would have our own rites and ceremonies, yeah. even if the state doesn't recognize them as. Uh, um, uh, the same type of marriage, right? Yeah, if that makes any sense. Yeah, yeah. I mean, <laughs> the, the stuff we probably may wouldn't quite know. I mean, unless that actually happens. But yeah, well, but, it, but uh, you, I think you you have to think that far. Yeah, to think that far ahead. What yeah. If, what if yeah. what if the state did say, oh, you, you yeah. must do this, yeah. or or you know you will you will be shut down. Yeah. So yeah, so just in terms of matters of marriage and uh, just I mean and other you know things that you know we see the culture. Uh, going against the church. I mean, there are, you know, could likely come a time when we we'll to make the distinction. You know, are they compelling us to do this? Well, then we we must disobey and obey God rather than men. And, you know, this is something that you know, the apostles early on were, uh, 
this is a, their experience. This is reality for them. Right, right. We, I, as you said earlier, we, we caught ourselves lucky, but we also have to be prepared with an answer. Right. You, you don't know what the future holds. We don't know what the future holds. And I, uh, I, I would imagine in our context, I think, uh, I think when you think of you know, the church being persecuted, I think it might come more legal standpoint in our uh, immediate context, but we certainly do have brothers and sisters, you know, in other parts of the world that are facing not only legal mm -hmm. uh, persecution, but uh, physical persecution as well. But, so yeah, I mean, the, the, I very much, this is this first portion of the text, I, I very much thought of the fourth commandment. And, you know, authorities, you know, are certainly placed by God, uh, you know, as his representatives. Uh, but that is as long as they rule within the confines of what scripture, you know, says. You know, if they, if they rule and uh, legalize something that, you know, goes against scripture, well then, you know, then that's uh, when Scripture and God must be obeyed. But this, you know, this response, you know, of Peter to to the, you know, high priests and the Sadducees didn't settle well with them. Uh, as we actually kind of pick up here in this next section, which uh, it's a it's a longer section of text here, but um, maybe not as much content-wise, maybe as you know, as this past one. Sure, sure. So if you could read for us uh, Paul 33 through 42. When they heard this, they were enraged and wanted to kill them. But a Pharisee in the council named Gamaliel, a teacher of the law, held in honor by all the people, stood up and gave orders to put the men outside for a little while. And he said to them, men of Israel, take care what you are about to do with these men. For before these days, Theodos rose up claiming to be somebody, and a number of men, about 400, joined him. He was killed, and all who followed him were dispersed and came to nothing. After him, Judas the Galilean rose up in the days of the census and drew away some of the people after him. He too perished, and all who followed him were scattered. So in the present case, I tell you, keep away from these men and let them alone. For if this plan or this undertaking is of man, it will fail. But if it is of God, you will not be able to overthrow them. You might even be found opposing God. So they took his advice, and when they had called in the apostles, they beat them and charged them not to speak in the name of Jesus and let them go. Then they left the presence of the councils, rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer dishonor for the name. And every day in the temple and from house to house, they did not cease teaching and preaching Jesus as the Christ. Yeah, thank you. Uh, so yeah, I mean, right at the beginning there, they're not happy with what what, what they had said, uh, with their response to them. Um, now you know, we have this you know lengthy you know account here of uh, Gamaliel uh, talking uh, to them and uh, you know encouraging them you know be careful with you know how you uh, react to you know these men. Uh, it, I'm going to jump ahead here from what I uh, had initially intended. But anyway, so it's hard to tell looking at this, you know, whether is Gamaliel, is he uh, in favor uh, of the cause here of Christ secretly or not? Uh, you know, I mean, looking at it, he definitely seems to, you know, encourage being careful with them and, you know, treating them 
Well, um, right. It, it does seem like he's he's sympathetic. Yeah. Um, but he ends up being the voice of reason. That, yeah. That, yeah. That if if it's something man-made, it will fail because we've seen these other examples where it has yeah, failed. These, yeah. But if it's something that's God ordained, then then it will succeed. So you you do this at the risk of of opposing God. Right. Yeah. I mean, if it, if it is a man, you know, by itself, it it will fail. He says. But yeah, if it's a God, I mean, there is no pulling it back. Pretty much is what he's saying there. Um, but <clears throat> so Gamaliel, you know, in wanting the, the men to step out, you know, in a sense, then I think he was wanting to, you know, talk these matters through, you know, a little confidentially with the with the Sanhedrin and a little more uh, privately. Um, you know, he was a highly respected man within those circles. Just, I mean, just because you know he was a teacher of the law and he was, uh, uh, you know, he had a quite a you know, high, I guess, resume, I guess. Uh, you know, then, but he cautions them, you know, exercise care, you know, with these men, you know, and how you deal with them. You know, he encourages them to weigh every act with deliberation and before acting on anything. And, uh, you know, like we, like we said, it was, um, I mean, yeah, if this be, you know, something from man, I mean, uh, you know, it will fail, but if it be from God, there will not be yeah, any holding it back. And, uh, like he said, it's you know, they do this at the risk of opposing God if it be the latter option. Well, and and while we're not certain of his motivations, whether he was sympathetic mm -hmm. to the apostles or not, you can kind of read into this that that um, the 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 officials also felt threatened, and so their actions were motivated by their perceived threat to their authority. Mm -hmm. Which is nothing new. I think. Yeah. I mean, and, and, and look at how it's. I mean, it plays yeah, out in today's Jesus, culture. Even, yeah. I mean, if if you know if somebody's authority feels feels threatened, they, you know, they'll immediately you know oppose things instead of taking a step back and looking looking at it as well as this reasonable or unreasonable. Right. Yeah. That's a, kind of a, I guess, a natural response. I guess humanly speaking, of to. Well, I, yeah. It's yeah. it's a innately sinful response but yeah it's, it's yeah it's how we're wired unfortunately yeah, right yeah. Uh, yeah i mean you think of uh you know during uh, jesus earthly ministry i mean i'm sure they felt threatened by him mm -hmm. you know i mean that's uh, i mean then how they ended up uh reacting against him which you know now i mean here they are i mean now it's the apostles carrying on this uh this work of christ and i mean again they're still feeling threatened and and in a sense, like I said in that first half of the text, they probably acted by you know arresting them because they they felt jealous almost. And, and well, jealous, yeah, jealous and threatened. Yeah, yeah jealous yeah. and threatened at the same time here. Um, but so, like the point that Gamaliel was wanting to make here is that you know this was you know was that the movement of the Sanhedrin was combating you know must not be opposed with violence. Uh, I mean, otherwise, I mean, they risk having an uprising, I mean, riots could happen, I mean, making matters worse for them, if, you know, if that took place. Well, and maybe this was one of the reasons he was so well-respected is because mm -hmm. people looked at him as, as the voice of reason mm -hmm. that, okay, this could easily get out of hand. It could backfire. Yeah, 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 it could backfire <laughs> given given the number of people that have, you know, are, are already sympathetic to what the, uh, they were teaching. 
Right. Yeah. And and, and yeah, got just the return then. You know, you know, the, there seems to be, you know, some doubt even, or kind of the, the tone of what he's saying here, and opposing opposing this movement at all. Uh, you know, like I said, just leave them alone. Um, you know that, you know, if this plan is for is an undertaking of man, it will fail. But if it is a God, you know, you will not be able to overthrow them. I think that in what we do now as the church, you know, in, in our culture today, I mean, whether it be, uh, you know, just in the proclamation of the gospel, evangelism, whatever it may be, this is something for us to remember that it is not our work at all or the work of man doing this, but it is God working through them. Uh, and, you know, that I think this, this, you know, it's this reality that the Holy Spirit, you know, will you know, grow the church, create growth, you know, when and where he wills. Uh, you know, so, I mean, really, Gamaliel was, he had a, I mean, he was speaking some truth here to this, that, you know, you know yeah, if it, is, if it is a man, well, it, it's bound to fail. But if it is of God, you know, it will not be able to be overthrown. And the apostles perhaps already had a sense of that, too, that it mm -hmm. was not them, it was not their efforts, it was God's efforts and Therefore, they could go forth with that confidence. I, you know, I, I, I had to just kind of chuckle a little bit at, at verse 40. And when they had called in the apostles, they beat them and charged them not to speak in the name of Jesus. And then, it, and then it says later on, um, they rejoiced that, that that they rejoiced they were counted worthy to suffer. So it's like, great, we've we've suffered for our cause here. Right. Well, and how many of them would go on to become martyrs? Right. Um, you know, uh, Peter, um, and uh, and even uh, I'm not going to name a specific one. I can't remember them off the top of my head, but I mean, many of them would go on to become well, the martyred. majority. Were majority martyred. were yeah. martyred. Yeah, and now I guess that's something for us to keep in mind. Like now, I mean, we don't go out seeking <laughs> martyrdom. Uh, we don't uh, go out seeking to be uh, uh, persecuted like this. But <laughs> if that should ever arise, right? Even yeah, though we uh, remain faithful. Yeah, I mean, this is. Uh, you know, Acts was written by Luke, but we hear so many other uh, places in the uh, in the epistles from Paul that you're, you need to expect this. Yeah, you, you know, you're, yeah. you're going to suffer yeah. for the faith. Yeah, but I, I, there are some circles I think within Christianity that feel like you have to go out and almost seek it. Oh. Which <laughs> uh, no, I mean uh, we, we don't seek this, uh, and yeah, we have been uh, you know, blessed in our culture that we are able to live uh, peaceable lives and, uh, for the most part. And, uh, but that, you know, should that time arise when we have to make a statement of faith, you know, you know, we, like I think the confirmation uh, right, I think, talks about uh, being faithful unto mm -hmm. death. Unto death. Unto yes. death. You know, there's be a time where we'll be, remain faithful. So, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, we learn from this that you no know, matter what, you know, may come, we remain faithful, like, you know, just as the apostles did. Um, and that, you know, though, you know, we, I mean, like, uh, like, like we said, we remain faithful unto death, uh, you know, that, you know, if there should come a time when we have to answer to our faith, we, we remain firm and uh, remain faithful to that. And no matter what comes, the public proclamation of the word, and that's what we, we do. We proclaim Christ uh, and uh, what he has done. And that this proclamation of the word, 
you know, for the apostles, it was supplemented by both public, you know, that public proclamation, but then also individual uh, proclamation or teaching as well. And we see that now. We have this public proclamation, but then also in our homes, uh, we have that uh, more individual, uh, and even just with confirmation, even where, where we instruct the the kids in the faith, and and uh, you know, and with this in mind that you know when they're confirmed, I mean they'll be taken to this uh, this vow to that they'll remain faithful uh, to the faith. So, what do we have for a? Uh, uh, him this week, Paul. Given that we are approaching the uh, second Sunday of Easter, also known as the octave of Easter, which means eight, you know, eight days, eight days later, um, some people refer to it as low Sunday, which I think is a is a terrible shame, uh, because the Easter season, the joy keeps going. We we continue to shout, you know, Christ is risen. Uh, and, and our alleluias for for seven weeks, uh, but it's often looked at that as because you know a lot of a lot of churches they 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 throw all their efforts into Easter Sunday, and then everybody's a little burned out, and so then everything is is kind of yeah. kind of low and and uh, very subdued compared to the the Sunday before. I don't subscribe to that. I think we need to keep the joy going. So um, yep. uh, um, the celebration needs to go for seven weeks. Uh, uh, of Easter, and so we'll we'll continue to celebrate it with joy. We'll continue um, the celebration. Yes, absolutely. Mm -hmm. And so for this second Sunday, because it always does come up that that doubting Thomas is the gospel reading, uh, we have some some hymns that that have uh, uh, some real history to them that retell this story. And if you have a Lutheran service book handy. Um, the pair of hymns is 470 and 471. And those are certainly aren't the only ones. There's some more in the hymnal there that reference Thomas. But to me, these two, and, and they're the same text, essentially. Well, why, why two different numbers in the hymnal? It's because there are actually two different melodies to go with it. Uh, and part of that reason is because of that it's an unusual poetic meter. It's 888 with alleluias. But you'll notice you'll notice, Vicar, that uh, in 471, there's only one Alleluia at the end of all the verses. Mm -hmm. In 470, 470, there's three Alleluias. Three. So the, 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 the melodies give you, give you uh, different, uh, different uh, ways to treat the Alleluias that are appended mm -hmm. onto those, those uh, stanzas of 888. The author of the text uh, was a, a, a French Franciscan from right around, uh, well, from the late 15th uh, century. So this is, this is actually a little, um, uh, he was, uh, he preceded Luther. So this is actually pre-Reformation, pre-Luther. Okay. But the theology of it is, is solid. So we, you know, we, we've adopted it, we've, we've brought it into our own usage. He wrote it originally in Latin. And as is often the case, a lot of these, these very um, uh, uh, well-loved uh, well um, texts that have stood the test of time that were in Latin were translated by John Neal. And, and, and this is one of those that he translated into English. That he did in the middle of the, the 19th century. So he rescued a lot of these ancient texts. You know, for example, um, uh, of the Father's love begotten. Some of these very, very old texts uh, that we have, 
He's the one that translated them. And originally it was, it was um, 12 stanzas long. They, the, the stanzas changed over time. And then anonymous people added additional stanzas to it. But basically what it is, is it's a retelling of the Easter story. This, 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 um, these first events that unfolded after the resurrection, a lot of it from John, and, and, we, and especially this passage from John 20 that we hear this week of Doubting Thomas. So if we look at the text a little bit more closely, um, we see that it kind of, it's kind of a, a, a litany of, of the things that happened uh, right after Easter. For example, stanza two, um, that Easter morn at break of day, the faithful women went, went their way to seek the tomb where Jesus lay. Well, it recalls that story that we hear right on Easter of the women at the tomb um, and how the angel appeared to them. That's right there in stanza three. Uh, the angel clad in white they, they see who sits and speaks unto the three. Your Lord will go to Galilee. There's also um, uh, direct quotations and bits and pieces that come right out of those scriptures too. Moving forward, um, uh, there's another one in, in stanza four there where um, uh, Jesus says to them, my peace be with you here, a direct quotation right out of John. And it also mentions, we were talking about the, the apostles uh, hiding. It mentions that in stanza four, that night the apostles met in fear. It doesn't say hiding, but we, we know that's what happened yeah. there. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And among them came their master dear and said, my peace be with you here. From that point on in the hymn, stanzas five through eight retell the story of Thomas. Those focus on the, on the Thomas part of the story, which is why it's such, a, such an appropriate hymn to use on the second Sunday. This is designated as the hymn of the day, just because it retells the story of Thomas so well. Um, Thomas had his, had his doubts, as it says in, in stanza five. Stanza six, my my pierced side, O Thomas, see, look upon my hands and my, and my feet. Um, that's a little bit of poetic license because um, feet, it, he didn't say, look at my feet. He just said, look at my hands. Mm -hmm. So we, we know that he had wounds on both his hands and his feet. So there's a little yeah. bit of poetic yeah. license there. But we, we, I think we look past those things like that. Um, because we know it's all part of the same story. Our, 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 our minds kind of fill in because we know the rest of the story. Um, Thomas no longer than, than denied because he looked at the feet, the hands, and the side. Um, and then another quotation right out of scripture, how blessed are they who, has, who have not seen and yet who have believed. Slightly different poetry just so that it works out there. And then the last stanza kind of just brings us back to this idea of celebration for these, these uh, uh, holy days of Easter. We have uh, seven weeks of it. We have 50 days. That's where we get the term Pentecost. Pentecost, Yeah, because it takes yeah. us, that 50 takes us right up to Pentecost. Yep. And um, so as uh, I noted before, this, this hymn appears with two different melodies in our hymnal. Um, the one that we'll sing on Sunday is 471, which is the old French melody that was based on an old French folk song um, from that, that period, the Middle Ages. And um, that's the older pairing, which is 
for me, I, I, I think it's the preferred pairing, mm -hmm. but I think a lot of Lutherans know maybe 470 a little bit better. It's used twice in our hymnal in the Easter section, mm -hmm. two different texts. One, this one about Thomas, and one just kind of a general Easter text about um, uh, 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 rejoice mm -hmm. because, it's, because it's the Easter season and, and, and uh, Christ is risen. Mm -hmm. So um, the uh, why don't we... Hmm. We should perhaps sing a little bit of both tunes. Um, okay. Um, let's do this. Why don't we? Why don't we sing um, stanzas one and two of the French tune, um, and then we'll skip over. Um, and why don't we sing stanzas seven and nine of the other tune, which is. It's, it's a German tune by Melchior Vulpius, and uh, it goes by the name of Gelobt sei Gott, which is mean, uh, well, the, the, the longer name was Gelobt sei Gott and Höchsten Throne, uh, praise to God in his highest throne. So you can tell it's a, a lot of German tunes will be named after the first phrase of the original text that it was paired to. So it was obviously thought of as a, as a, a uh, praise, praising uh, a hymn of praise from the German source, as opposed to the, the French one, which is has a Latin title, makes sense. It was originally written in Latin, O et Filiae, O Sons and Daughters, translates as, uh, as O Sons and Daughters. So yes, we'll do one and two in the old French tune, and then we'll skip over and we'll do seven okay. and nine. In so the, we'll start with 471 and then 470. Correct, correct. O sons and daughters of the King, whom heavenly hosts in glory sing, today the grave has lost its sting. Alleluia! That Easter morn at break of day, the faithful women went their way, to seek the tomb where Jesus lay. Alleluia. And then the other tune. No longer Thomas then denied. He saw the feet, the hands, the side. You are my Lord and God, he cried. Alleluia, Alleluia, Alleluia. On this most holy day of days, be Lord and Jubilee and praise to God your hearts and voices raise. Alleluia, Alleluia. Alleluia. I should note that um, that Alleluia at the very end of that one, um, what we've done sometimes is use that as our Alleluia verse, and we'll do that this coming Sunday. So if you're if you're a little disappointed that we're using the French tune instead of the German tune, we'll still have the Alleluias there because that'll be our, our our Alleluias that that frame the gospel verse. Uh, yeah. that, that have returned now that we're out of out of the Lenten season. We get our our um, our gospel acclamation of Alleluia's returning one more time. 
No, I do want to just while we're uh, have uh, this this text in mind for Downing Thomas. Uh, the last podcast I did, uh, we mentioned that we had a new set of banners, oh, the, yes, the Amazing yes. Grace banners. Well, now I do want to just say, be on the lookout for another new banner this weekend. Uh, there's a <laughs> it's a, a pair, and it's a pair again. It, it's it? just it's just one. Oh, it's just one. Yeah, it's one. It's uh, so it's Jesus' hands with the with the nail marks in his hands, and it says, "Peace be with you." Uh, so the the, yeah, the banner committee has been hard at work, and the They've, uh, they've cranked out that first set here about midwinter, and they got this one done within about a month, I think. So. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. What a what a great choice of phrases because uh, it's right there, right there in the reading. It's right there in the hymn. Peace be with you here. Yeah. Yeah. So that will be uh, that'll be above the lectern this Sunday. So if you're in church, be sure to be on the lookout for that. All right. We continue with the litany. Oh Lord, have mercy upon us. Oh Christ. Have mercy upon us. O Lord, have mercy upon us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Blessed Lord, you caused all holy scriptures to be written for our learning. Grant that we may so hear them, read, mark, learn, and take them to heart, that by the patience and comfort of your holy word, we may embrace and ever hold fast the blessed hope of everlasting life. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Please join us for worship this weekend. Our worship opportunities are at 8 a.m. and 10.30 a.m. on Sunday and on Mondays at 6.30 p.m.